Welcome to the Future of Agriculture podcast, the show that explores the people, companies, and ideas that are shaping the future of agribusiness. Innovation, resourcefulness, and collaboration are essential for feeding a growing population, and we believe the agriculture industry is up for the challenge. Please welcome your host, Tim Hammerich. What's up? Thanks so much for downloading another episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hamrich. I'm an agribusiness recruiter, and it's my pleasure to bring you these stories every week of the people, companies, and ideas shaping the future of agriculture. If you've been with us at least the last two episodes, you have heard about blockchain. You've heard about my uh, theoretical, in some cases, applications about how blockchain might be used in the agricultural supply chain. I have heard your feedback everywhere from you lost me in the first episode to, boy, that was really oversimplistic and you glossed over some essential aspects of blockchain. And I know most people are probably somewhere in between, which is exactly why we wanted to start with the applications of blockchain so we could connect it to, all right, what do we already know? Theoretically, we already know about the agricultural supply chain, or at least some aspect of it. I'm assuming if you're listening, you're interested in the agricultural supply chain. So let's attach this new concept for some of us of blockchain to what we already know, which is the agricultural supply chain. That's why we started with the applications. In this episode, we are going to kind of go to the opposite end of the spectrum. We're doing a little bit of a a jump into the deep end of blockchain. We're looking at, uh, instead of looking at starting with the ag supply chain forwards, if you will, we're looking at it from what is the blockchain backwards, and we're going to kind of meet somewhere in the middle. And and I'll tell you why. Uh, From those first episodes, hopefully you gathered that this is a completely decentralized way to store information, to record transactions, and to kind of manage relationships on a peer-to-peer basis. So uh, whereas right now with the internet, you have have Amazon, you have Facebook, they are at the hub. If I want to connect peer-to-peer on Facebook, I've got to go through Facebook. If I want to buy something on Amazon, even if it's from another independent party, I have to go through Amazon. They're hubs. Instead, this blockchain is going to open things up so we don't have a hub to go through. I can go directly peer-to-peer, and it helps manage that relationship and build that trust. So it can improve traceability, as we talked about, data transparency, uh, efficiency of transactions and logistics, that sort of thing. All the examples we used in episode 81 and 82. Hopefully, you listened. If you haven't, you might want to start there. It basically can remove the need for an intermediary or a party in the middle, a middleman, if you will, in many cases. Um, first of all, obviously, the one that's being used all over the globe right now is removing banks from, from a lot of transactions financially. It can also do the same thing with supply chain because what we're talking about is value. That value can be currency. That value can be an asset. That value can be a contract. We're just talking about some sort of value. So as I learned more and more about how this works, a couple questions popped up that that I think this interview here today will start to answer for you if, if you shared the same questions I did. Number one is, uh, how do you get this technology to scale, right? How do you get uh, multiple parties with different self-interests to all join up and say, you know what, we're, we're going to allow our transactions to happen on the blockchain, The second question is, and this is a really interesting one, if something is decentralized, that means there's nobody at the middle. So go back to the Amazon and Facebook example. You know, there's obvious incentives to create the next Amazon and the next Facebook, right? Obviously wealth and power and all those great things because they are at the middle of every transaction that happens. Well, what are the big incentives to create something decentralized? 
right? You're you're not going to be at the center of every transaction. Um, in many cases, you're you're not going to charge, but maybe a, a very nominal cost to even uh, have access to it, right? So, what are the big incentives to create a decentralized system? Well, let's look at those two questions uh, in the context of our guest here today. We have on the show Origin Trail, not Oregon Trail, Origin Trail. And if I slip up, please call me out on it. Uh, Origin Trail was started by Tomasz Levak and Giga Dreyf on the show. And I'm sorry, guys, if I butchered your names, they're co-founders in this venture. They started just trying to solve supply chain problems way back when and uh, using very conventional methods and stumbled upon the ability to use blockchain to solve these supply chain problems. They've worked in meat. They've worked in dairy. Um, they they just recently have done a couple really exciting use cases, which you hear about, hear about on this show. And um, have some won some very prestigious recognition from Walmart for, for the work that they're doing. So very lucky to have these two on the show. So what they are building is a protocol to use Ethereum, which Ethereum is a blockchain platform. Uh, the one you've probably heard most about is Bitcoin, which is used in currency. Ethereum was built as an open source way that uh, so that you could tailor blockchain technology to multiple different use cases. What they have done is created a protocol so that you can use Ethereum in order to uh, serve supply chain needs. So they're not an application where, hey, you buy Origin Trail and you use it in your supply chain. It's if you wanted to create an application, you could use Origin Trail protocol in order to create that. And I know that's a bit dense, so so we're, we're going to get into that more, obviously, in the interview. But here's why that's exciting. Uh, number one, they're doing that using an ecosystem, an open source ecosystem of contributors to, contributors to build this platform to the best of uh, its potential uh, in the supply chain. Uh, and let's get back to those two questions. So so number one, how do we scale this? And I, I think that uh, they're hitting on something very important that the best way we can scale it is by making it open source. If they were trying to build a proprietary platform, I think they would run into a lot of challenges because it's not open to everybody using it for their own needs. Uh, and it's not open to developers contributing and adding value to it. Uh, but that gets us to the second question. What is the incentive for people to contribute to it? What's the incentive for them to create it in the first part, right? If they're basically creating this open source ecosystem and allowing the world to use it, what are the incentives? And that's where a very important aspect of blockchain comes in, and that's tokenization. As we mentioned a few minutes ago, we're talking about value, and that value can hold all sorts of different uh, realities. It could be a, a currency, a transaction, a contract. Uh, I mean, just limitless potential. Whatever we value, uh, I've heard people use the analogy of like number of followers on a social media platform that has some sort of value, or in the environment has some sort of value. So uh, let's just kind of gloss over this a little bit, but just know that tokens represent value. The way that Origin Trail, first of all, gets this project funded and the way they incentivize developers to use the protocol is through tokens. These tokens have value. In order to start that process and build this this ecosystem, they are doing an initial coin offering where you can buy tokens at a theoretical discount to what they're really going to be worth in order to, number one, fund the project so that people who are early to the project can get some sort of return on their investment. Number two, as a potential investment for yourself, because theoretically, if you buy into what they're doing here with this protocol, uh, there will be more and more demand for these tokens because there's only a set amount. 
and uh, over time, you know, it would turn out to be a good investment for you. Uh, and, and then obviously, to, if you buy a, a token, you get some sort of say in how the protocol gets developed and gets used from here on out. So there is a bunch of buzz around these ICOs, ICOs, initial coin offerings, whatever you call them. There's a ton of buzz around it. And I think the reason that I wanted to bring these guys on now is because they are starting their pre-sale for their ICO uh, next week. So if you're listening on the day this is coming out, January 15th is when they are opening their pre-sale. Even if you have no interest in investing in in this, and, and I'm, I'm not encouraging to you, you two in any way, I think this is really interesting for us to right now in real time, use this as a case study to understand how things work. How does the process work? How, if we wanted to, to buy in, uh, how would we do that? And why would we do that? And what does it look like for those that do buy in early to this initial coin offering? And how does this protocol get developed and actually get used in the real world? So obviously the last two, episodes were theoretical in a use case scenario. This is more theoretical in a how blockchain works type scenario, but uh, I find it really, really fascinating. I hope you do too. So listen in, let's think about this origin trail. It's a protocol for using the blockchain for supply chain uses. They're just about ready to have this initial coin offering. Uh, I think this brings up a lot of important components of blockchain and connecting it to supply chain. So excited to bring this interview to you. I know you're tired of hearing from me, especially with my groggy voice. I've been sick. I apologize, but here are the origin trail founders. And I uh, start off by asking them a little bit about their company. And then we get into more of the initial coin offering stuff later. Enjoy this interview. So, so first and foremost, guys, now, now Origin Trail, is that supposed to be a spinoff of Oregon Trail, the game that, that, that I used to play? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, uh, not intentionally anyways, but it, it was a nice uh, kind of, yeah, situation for, especially in the U.S., a lot of people kind of get that, uh, get that association. So it's been good for remembering practices, but it wasn't intentional <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, the game probably wasn't... Uh, as oh yeah, we played it. We played it. It was, we, we, we did travel that train as well. Well, I, I, uh, they're going to hear it in my words to start the show, but I would love to hear it in your words. Uh, how do you describe to people who, who are maybe new to blockchain, what is it that Origin Trail does? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it, uh, for us, it's kind of a, a, an interesting entry point because we didn't come from the blockchain and then go to the supply chain, but it was rather vice versa. So what we describe or kind of where, where we come from is that we focused on transparency of supply chains first. And then um, working in that space for a couple of years, uh, we got a lot of questions regarding data integrity. Um, which kind of led us towards uh, decentralization and blockchain technology uh, as such. Uh, so it, it, for us, it was kind of that, uh, that learning experience as well, coming from the supply chain side and then uh, moving towards blockchain and just seeing how could we um, apply what was being uh, developing rather fastly uh, in, in the worlds of finance also to the world of, uh, of supply chain. Um, so yeah, bringing this... The principles of you know immutability um, and 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 decentralization toward supply chain to create an environment where we could have more integrity to the data that is being shared and to even uh, kind of create the necessary conditions for uh, different uh, entities or stakeholders in this uh, in this supply chain space 
to have the motivation to share this data at all. Um, and so, and this is this, this is where we saw that this has the biggest impact, and that was kind of our entry point. Yeah, uh, and for us, perhaps pers personally, for each each one of us, I was I was born on the farm, and I was I knew exactly where uh, how the food was grown because I could trust the, the hands actually that uh, that you know provided a meal to my to my my plate, uh, and you know somehow we wanted to uh, transcend this way the way how trust is being created where you see where food is coming from to a, a bigger com more complex supply chains. Uh, so this was in a way our why because we saw that uh, we know our farmers and it would be very nice if we could um, kind of know exactly where food is coming from in, in bigger in bigger food systems. Yeah, the idea of, of taking that concept of knowing exactly where your food comes from and doing it at scale in today's modern agriculture is uh, pretty incredible. Can, can you one of you? Can you take us back to that moment where it sounds like you were trying to solve these supply chain problems? Uh, there's a lot of them, and then all of a sudden you you like you it clicks and you realize that blockchain is is going to be it for you. Uh, take us back to that moment and kind of what factors contributed to you pivoting into like blockchain is where we're going all in. Yeah. Sure. So we've been working in this field for approximately seven years. It all started as a student project. Uh, back in 2010, 2011, uh, but then, of course, uh, as we matured, <laughs> we incorporated and started working in this, uh, with this um, huge problem in supply chains. Uh, and then we delivered the first solution uh, back in 2014 together with a couple of um, great producers here in Europe, uh, whereby we allow shoppers to see where exactly the, the ingredients are coming from, uh, either dairy or, or, or meat or vegetables, for each specific batch of a product that we were, we were tracing. Uh, and then all along, people were asking us, <clears throat> how can we be sure that the, that the information you're providing us with is, is true? And how can you be sure that the data uh, your partners are pro providing you with is, is true and it's not being corrupt? Uh, and blockchain uh, is, is a technology uh, that allows you to get rid of this middle, uh, middleman that is, you know, brokering trust. And in that case, that was us. And in the grand scheme of things, nowadays, uh, we have uh, plenty of organizations, either governmental or non-governmental, that are acting as brokers of trust. Uh, on the other hand, what blockchain does, uh, it... Um, it supplements this middleman with, uh, with the technology. So you would have uh, cryptography and math taking care of, 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 of this trust. So you would have uh, distributed, uh, decentralized uh, ledgers uh, that, are, um, that are there. Uh, so there, 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 is no, there is no need for human interference. There's no need for institutional interference uh, because you have a technology in place. And this is, in a way, automating trust, and it, it is uh, definitely uh, decentralizing uh, trust, uh, which is very much needed because the, the more the more uh, the, the more global supply chain global supply chains get complex, the bigger the uh, the, the trust gap we have. So human and institutions are no longer uh, sufficient uh, to to fill this gap, and this is where we see the, the role of blockchains. And Speaking of that complexity, I, I know, and you mentioned dairy as an example in the U.S. and I imagine elsewhere. Uh, so the cows get milked, a truck comes along, 
collects that milk, and then that truck then goes to another dairy and collects other milk. So how do you solve the traceability problem when commodities are getting mixed together like that? How does that part work? Mm, um, it, this was something that, yeah, we, we kind of um, were introduced to uh, rather early on as well. And, and the, the point is that you, even though that the uh, ingredients are getting mixed, you still know that for a particular batch of products or a particular product you're holding in hand, like which are the sources of those ingredients that were used to, to uh, make the combined uh, product? Because, you know, like you mentioned, it's uh, dairy and a lot of other um, a lot of other products as well have a very, very complex um, sourcing systems behind um, that can get very masked in a way or very, yeah, it'll, transparency is a big problem there. Uh, but if you have this transparency set up or if traceability is indeed in place, uh, you can um, reach much higher level of trust in the product or uh, that you're about to consume or buy because you are able to see all of that um, kind of complexity behind. So then it becomes a matter of more kind of how to set up the um, user interface to communicate that very clearly. Uh, but the important thing is that even though it is complex, you are able to kind of uh, follow that and you actually know which are the farms that gave, uh, that gave milk to produce a particular you know, cup of yogurt or cut of cheese. Um, so in, in a very, let's say in, in the worst case scenario, if something was wrong at a single farm, you're also able to identify which are the products that were affected um, very, very quickly uh, because you, you're, you're able to yeah, just, just see which products have that, uh, that farm, uh, farm's ingredient inside. Yeah, because you know which farms were on that truck that made that exactly. batch of cheese. So, you know, it, it, it's moving past kind of this static thinking about, okay, this is kind of the supplier base we are working with towards um, for this particular batch of products that was produced at my, in, in my production facility or in, in my um, processing facility. Uh, I can tell you in a, for every single batch which uh, which suppliers were in included in this supply chain, and that you know this is just kind of one little little case which then transcends through the entire supply chain, and then you have much more visibility happening throughout the uh, throughout the chain, and this is where value can get created on various different points. Um, one being the product journey, knowing where things are coming from, from the end, uh, from the standpoint of the consumer, but also within the uh, within the supply chain. There was a research done just recently, I think, in the UK, where around a third of uh, of, of directors, of CEOs of, of companies in in the food industry weren't able to assure authenticity of the or, or you know be sure about the uh, authenticity of the ingredients that were being used, just because. Right now, you have a lot of silos in the, in the supply chain. Everyone knows one step back and one step forward. So you only know who you bought it from and who you sell it to. But you don't know who your supplier supplier is, which is the, in the very important um, information if you want to make sure that the quality of your product or, or you know, the expected quality that you have is actually there. Um, and then also, the interesting thing is going beyond your buyer. So who is your buyer's buyer? Learning more about you know, upstream kind of um, information in the supply chain, which can give you a much, much better insight um, into, in, into your business as well. And all of that is not possible currently because we are very, very fragmented. Uh, very, a lot of fragmentation is happening to, to data in the supply chains. And this is where we see uh, Origin Trail as a, uh, as, as a protocol, basically, that allows um, easier sharing of data between, um, between entities in supply chains 
But not only that, also it provides that crucial element, which is the integrity of the data that they're sharing. So everyone, it aligns in a way accountability with responsibility. Uh, so you ha you're accountable and exactly for what you're responsible for. And this is also what you're sharing into the protocol. And, but at the same time, you're keeping ownership of this data. You're not giving it out to a third party, which will, you don't know what happens to it, but rather you are the one or, you know, or, or a certain service provider sets this up for you, but you keep kind of, uh, you, you know what happens to that data and you're, you know for what purpose you're sharing it. And I we believe that this is very, very important if we want to create this environment in which these stakeholders, these entities will actually have an incentive to share this data. Because right now, you know, if you're talking about farmers, or they're either giving up their data for basically uh, without knowing what is it used for, or they're not getting the value out of it, or they're taking the alternative route of, well, we're not going to share anything, and then we're losing out on the value that could be created as, as, the, as the system as a whole. Uh, so there is a clear need to create some somehow a more a better way to share uh, to share data in supply chains. That's a fantastic response. Thank you so much. I, I think you captured the the, the problem uh, and also the solution really well. There w would one of you uh, mind giving us kind of an example, a, a real specific example of an application that's being used in in a, in a food or agriculture context for Origin Trail right now, just to give us an idea of on a practical level how it works. Yeah. Uh, so th there are roughly two uh, cases uh, currently uh, live in this in this world uh, in in Europe and in China. Uh, if I focus in the first in the first step uh, to the European cases, so consumers from the consumer side, consumers have have a mobile application. Uh, they use it to scan a product barcode, and uh, in order to see uh, where exactly the ingredients are coming from, they would need to input the LOT number or expiry date. Uh, they read it from a, from a product, and by doing that, they they see the exact provenance of ingredients uh, that are that are contained in that specific product. Uh, now in China, uh, where we work with uh, with with an online uh, retailer uh, called Imishiji, roughly translated into English, that's uh, one square meter. Uh, the main aim there is to uh, to kind of align the responsibility with accountability uh, in their supply chains. Uh, and in that case, um, in their cold supply chain, they, they know exactly uh, they know exactly uh, what what were the temperatures even before the product reached their their warehouses. And if something goes wrong, and so far everything was okay, it is uh, much easier to allocate uh, accountability for a certain product. So, in in the first case, we have product journey. Consumers know exactly where the products are coming from. Uh, whereas in China, where product safety is uh, very much important for, for consumers uh, because of all those recent scandals, uh, it is very much about the accountability so that retailers um, can pinpoint the, 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 the source uh, if something goes wrong. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's very important. Uh, and they take it in a way as an, as an insurance policy if something goes, uh, if something goes wrong. Yeah, and then there's you know there a lot of other applications or, or use cases that we are now working on or are going to develop in the future because um, that and that's the, the the nicest part about it. So the protocol that we're setting up is open source um, and it's collaborative. So we know that um, complexities of supply chains is not something a single organization can tackle. Really, uh, you know, even now we're kind of like there's so many things that we want <laughs> we want to explain, and it's not something that one. Any, any single team can really effectively 
effectively solve. And that's why we're kind of bringing on other service providers as well as brands, organizations, research institutes uh, that will be a part and be, will be able to use this protocol for their particular use cases, some of which we don't even think about now, but maybe they have as their pain point and will be able to use the protocol to address them uh, very effectively. And, you know, that goes from a, a lot of it, the like food industry is a very, very strong case, but then you have also some uh, more um, kind of... Uh, secondary kind of uh, applications when it comes to how to finance supply chains uh, effectively uh, because it, it this protocol can act as a ledger of, of what was claimed by someone at a certain given time and once you once you start putting those things together and once you uh, once you have this certain consensus within between stakeholders reached you can build a lot of other things like insurance, like financing also on top. And I mean, we didn't start from that, but now we have other uh, actors that are in that field coming to us saying that they would like to cooperate with and, and kind of build on top of the protocol uh, to do that. And because it is an open source and it's neutral, uh, you know, in, because it's decentralized, we're not owning it. We're, once we are released that, it's from the community. It's not it's not owned by any single entity, but at the same time, everyone that's a part of this environment has has a say. I'm not saying just is, is a part of this uh, of this family, so they can kind of um, uh, they, they they have a, a little stake in it. And and this is what we see also as very important because uh, it's also a crucial driver to to create these incentives that we were discussing before about people uh, and entities wanting to share more data. Yeah, Origin Trail is a collaborative effort. Uh, we saw that if you will, if you'd like to enable the end-to-end -end transparency in supply chains that are growing in complexity, you need to get connected to uh, different kind of applications owned by different. Uh, these are proprietary solutions, and in order to collaborate with them, you should not one should not present himself as a as a proprietary solution because in yeah. that case they'll see you as someone who might be a competitor of theirs we'll leverage them yeah yeah, yeah. this is the beauty of, of, of blockchain and decentralization as, as a whole right we can do that before it wasn't possible so in that case uh thinking long term here i imagine right now the way that you are are supported is these companies that you're working with are bringing you in to set up their supply chain uh using the origin trail protocol uh you know how how do you all stay viable because uh, you're not profiting from these transactions, it sounds like. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly on point. And this is one of the things that is, is the crucial jump forward or leap forward um, in, in, term of, in terms of how can we build technology for the future as well when it comes to decentralized system. Because this is an open source project. Right now, if you wanted to do an open source project, there were basically two things. You could either do it voluntarily um, or you could have a find a certain financing through the government schemes or something like that. There was no way to really do it or, or to, to connect uh, to align all of the interest of all the stakeholders from the particular open source project, or it was very difficult to do. But now we have this great um, or tool of token economics that you can put into it to not only find a way how to finance open source projects, but also how to align interests of all of the stakeholders within that environment. Uh, and so if, if we're talking about origin trail protocol, because it's decentralized, it needs a certain token uh, to enable compensation between the users of the protocol and the nodes within this decentralized network. Uh, and through the, the, the token sale of, of these tokens that are going to be like a, like a glue of the, of the network, 
uh, we uh, or, or the development team can also get funds to develop uh, what what we promised. So this uh, the uh, the decentralized protocol itself. Uh, so the development of the of the platform is financed through that initial token sale that we uh, that we're going to be making in, in the next month, and then any future development can be made out of the uh, certain uh, tokens that are retained by the by the TG entity uh, by the token sale entity uh, for future development. But that is not owned or in a way by the team itself. This is owned by the community. So the community has to be a part of that decision if they agree to develop a protocol for the next step in a certain way or they just want to keep it as it is. So it, it creates a completely new dynamics in the way how we approach the uh, approach development of open source projects. And that's why it's so, um, uh, it, it's so new and so different from what we were used to before. Um, but it's in the same in the same kind of moment, it's also very very powerful uh, because you right now, for example, we're doing a lot of uh, traveling as well uh, on from on the, on the western side in the U.S. as well uh, and in, in Asia, uh, trying to get these different um, different different profiles of of contributors that could act as a uh, network of ambassadors later on because this is very important also when you're talking about how to create adoption for the protocol because even that cannot be a single team effort uh, you know even here we need to have like a dispersed decentralized uh, network that is going to be working towards seeing this protocol succeed and with the distribution of tokens you can really achieve that goal and and again this is another uh, another benefit which before just coming from a standard proprietary uh, point of view in terms of like a startup company or something like that uh, was was way 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 more limiting uh, than than we have today I am sorry for the long answer <laughs> it was very uh, yeah I, I, I hope I didn't lose my thread in somewhere in between no, I think the token aspect is really interesting and a key component that is it's it's hard to wrap our heads around, right? You know, a, a lot of um, in this series on blockchain, we're talking about, you know, blockchain is not cryptocurrency. It's, you know, it's the framework for which cryptocurrency is built on. But when you start talking about tokens, it sounds like it is kind of a, a, a type of currency that's used in order to um, to access the protocol. Is, is that right? I'm trying to wrap my head around the token part of things. Yeah. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're very uh, on point with that. So uh, the trace that we're going to be using, trace is the, the, the token for the origin trail protocol, is, is used exactly for that. So you're, 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 we're stripped it down for everything else uh, besides you using the token for uh, interacting with the protocol. So either if you want to write or store some data onto the protocol, you'll be using trace. And if you want to read from the protocol, you'll be using trace as well. Um, anything else uh, regarding trace uh, or any additional functionalities are left for the application layer if needed, uh, if, if the need arises. Um, but it, it, what it does, it creates this ecosystem of everyone that is using trace that kind of it links them together and it, it creates a, something that is in a way independent from 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 the outside <laughs> world but it, it because it's open source still it's very collaborative so in a way you are incentivized to enter and to use all the benefits and the value you're getting out of it and in the same way you're kind of joining in a, a family of different uh, different stakeholders that are already in the system or already on the using the protocol and all of you are benefiting from uh, from from the pure usage of the protocol uh, through the token because you are the holders of the token as well. Uh, so I, I agree, it's it's a it's it's a totally different dynamics because it's not a 
uh, it's not a share because it's not a share of a company because there is no company. It's not the, the, the you know there is no it's not a security. <laughs> it's it's a very kind of utility based uh, asset in a way that it's it's used to um, to interact with the protocol, but at the same time it it creates incentives for for different uh, stakeholders in the in the environment. And now, will, will you be able to buy Trace with 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 currency, or is it only acquired by participating in the supply chain? Uh, yeah, so you're you're able to tra trace is a transferable asset, right? Uh, so we are it, it's an ERC twenty token uh, that's created on top of Ethereum platform, and also the transactions that are going to be made are going to be made on top of Ethereum uh, Ethereum platform. Uh, so in that sense, what we are doing now is it's we are uh, we, through the token sale we are issuing these tokens to the initial contributors, and they will be the ones that are, are going to be holding it, and but it's in their power to transfer those assets as well. Uh, but this is something that is kind of out of, out of the scope of, of, our, uh, of our work because it's, it's up to them to how to really transfer those, uh, those assets that, that they receive. Uh, we are looking forward to having a lot of contributors that are actually users of the, are going to be users of the protocol once it's live. Uh, so they will be uh, looking to, you know, to, to use the assets exactly for the purpose that it was made for. So for the, um, for, for the use on the protocol. Uh, of course, we, uh, th there is a certain kind of market dynamics that is going to create there, uh, that is going to exist there, uh, where the tokens will be, uh, you, you know, in a way be able to be, uh, to be obtained also by the secondary market. Um, but as well, the, uh, we are keeping a certain liquidity pool that will be, uh, uh, will be able to use uh, to, to offer uh, trace also for the interested parties in, in case the secondary market is, is the, yeah, uh, not liquid enough or, or something like that. So there's always going to be enough uh, tokens to be purchased uh, or to be obtained by, um, by interested parties um, to be using the protocol. That's kind of the, the main point of, of everything. Everything else is kind of more um, secondary when it, comes to, when it comes to our position. Fantastic. So uh, your guys' vision is so massive. Uh, how do you strategically break it down and just look at like, okay, what's the next step in the evolution of Origin Trail? Sure. Uh, I mean, it, it is indeed the, the kind of long term, you, you can see so many implications, but it always comes down to, and we've always followed the, the, the kind of the, uh, the path of let's make concrete steps as soon as possible, even though if they're small, but let's still keep moving. And um, in, in that sense, kind of our first, uh, our first uh, actions were to get very quality people also around us. Uh, so we had a very high quality team already working uh, on, on the project for a couple of years. And we added um, you just splendid advisory board as well uh, over the last couple of months to kind of help us um, uh, in, in the efforts that we, were, that we set out for ourselves. Um, so we have like, you know, uh, people like John Keogh, Ken Lyon, uh, from the industry that have been working for decades on, on the, uh, on the topic of transparency of supply chains and have so many invaluable kind of experience from that field, uh, that, that we can, uh, lean on and then move forward. And as well, we've seen a lot of requests or a lot of motivation out, uh, between different organizations to kind of, um, be a part of this movement. And this is also something that's kind of fueling our, uh, our, our, our own activities. Uh, and being a collaborative, collaborative uh, environment is something that we really want to, to focus on. And uh, this is how we believe that we can actually achieve this uh, long-term, very, very kind of l large impact goals is to connect 
um, actors that are already doing a good job in their respective fields. Uh, so if you know, there's already companies that are doing a great job at uh, creating good sensors and they're working on how to improve them and make that stuff happen. So we're obviously not going to be focusing on that, but rather collaborating with some, somebody that's already in that field. The same goes for software development in terms of supply chain mapping, uh, in terms of uh, even product journey certain applications or how to really connect you know, uh, yeah, the, down to the last, uh, the last bit, down to consumer, and and all of these different aspects or internal traceability, and a lot of a lot of a lot of it is already being made, but it's it's kind of a more let's say partially attacking what is the larger problem of, of supply chains, and we see ourselves as being the because we're still a low, low level low level technology in a way you know it's a uh, we're middleware that's sitting on top of blockchain but underneath the application level and kind of in the in the value creating creating space we're still leaving a lot of it for the application layer to to uh, really find and and um, execute on the application level to create this this value for the end users in terms of either uh, stakeholders within supply chains or end customers. Uh, so for us, it's, it's very just looking collaboratively, what can we do to uh, enlarge this pie and have everyone that is a genuinely a good player or you know have, have, have good intentions in working towards more transparent supply chains to be able to utilize this, uh, this, this protocol. Great. Well, guys, I, I, again, I really, really appreciate your time on this. Um, everyone who's listening has some sort of interest in the food and agriculture supply chain. So um, how could we support you? What's the best way for us to, um, to bring value to Origin Trail as, as you kind of you know, continue on this journey? Yeah, so, um, yeah, you told us before that you have a lot of young entrepreneurs uh, um, willing to improve the, 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 the status in, in, in food systems. Uh, anyone who is genuinely interested in um, in helping us um, follow this mission of ours to increase transparency in food supply chains is uh, welcome to um, join us on this mission either by uh, building uh, an application on top of this protocol uh, and of course we're also <laughs> very much happy if someone uh, if someone decides to join our pre-sale that starts on 15th of uh, January next year. I need to make some, some commercial. For that as well. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I was speaking from the collaborative point of view as well. We're, so we're building up this, uh, this environment, which is, we're going to name the trace Alliance, uh, which brings together, like Giga mentioned, service providers that want to build applications on top, um, brands, including food brands that want to benefit from such applications or have challenges that they feel that uh, decentralized protocol could address, um, that you know, they, they can step forward as well, contact us. Uh, we are, we are actively uh, onboarding different organizations to, to come into this environment. Uh, it's a voluntary uh, membership. Uh, so we're not, uh, at this point, there's no fees associated with it. Uh, the only thing that it is, is that we want to have um, people that have, that share the mission and are willing to, uh, to, to kind of come uh, and, and explore how we can use this protocol to solve uh, real world um, kind of challenges. Great. Well, we'll make sure we put uh, your, uh, your website in the show notes. And then also, I know, I know Tomas, you have uh, Twitter. Giga, do you have Twitter as well? Sure, sure. I have Twitter. We'll, we'll send you both, both handles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Follow, share. That's always beneficial. <laughs> and then, so the 15th of January, if I'm understanding right, is that an initial coin offering for the Trace? Yeah, correct. 
So, you know, as well, if, if, if there's uh, listeners that are uh, kind of that are interested in building on top of the protocol, that's a good time to get uh, to get also some um, the tokens that you'll be able to use then uh, later on for, for interacting with the protocol. Yeah. So fascinating, guys. Thank you very much. I really appreciate being on the show. Tim, it's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that interview with the founders of Origin Trail. I would love to hear your thoughts on this stuff. The interview was uh, longer than I was hoping in terms of time, but shorter than I was hoping in terms of the amount of content that we could have got from those guys. So I hope you got some value from that. I would love to hear about it at Tim Hamrich on Twitter uh, and just any impressions you have from the series overall. I think for those of us who are fairly new to blockchain, which is everybody's fairly new to blockchain uh, because it's a fairly new concept. Watching this process with Origin Trail, if you're hitting this on the day it comes out, the pre-sale for the ICO, ICO, initial coin offering, whatever you want to call it, is is next next week. Let let's take a look and and see how people respond to this blockchain for supply chain purposes and understand the process. Um, I'm not uh, trying to endorse them for an investment at all. Uh, I'm still undecided whether I will be part of the initial coin offering, but I did want to use them as a case study for understanding how the process works. And I think that can be enormously valuable for all of us. So let me know your thoughts again at Tim Hamrich on Twitter. Thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another exciting interview in the world of blockchain. for listening to the Future of Agriculture podcast with Tim Hammerich. Visit futureofag.com, that's futureofagag.com today to get connected into careers in the agriculture industry. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.